Welcome to episode 61 of the Untangled Faith podcast. Author Tracy Rhodes joins me today to talk about how much more wide and beautiful the Christian church is. Spoiler, it's bigger than the denomination you grew up with. And learning about the different ways people worship and about different spiritual practices might just save your faith. And this took me on a very wide track of Christianity. And it sounds silly, but it struck me like really profoundly. These people love Jesus too. I mean, some of these things I wouldn't have touched, yeah. you know, with a 10 foot pole 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, but here we are and Christianity is that vast. This is Amy Fritz, and you're listening to Untangled Faith, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all the things that are not good and true, this is the place for you. I'm not sure if my listeners are very familiar with you, so I am thrilled to introduce them to you if they have not met you already. Um, you have two books recently. Um, your more most recent one is one I was just reading. I actually bought it for myself. I have it on my Kindle, and I was taking notes. And that was the one. Is that the shaky ground one? Shaky mm-hmm. ground. Yes. What to do after the bottom drops out? And then um, a previous one. Not all who wander. And then in parentheses, spiritually are lost a story of the church. And I have a million questions for you. I will try to limit them, but I would love it if you would explain sort of who you are and how did the Tracy of 2022 end up where like, she's writing a book that's talking about all these different spiritual practices and all these different ways that people have uh, worshiped in the Christian faith. How did you get here? And who are you, Tracy? (laughs) Um, Well, I'll start um, in a little country church because it it absolutely formed me. And I still carry so much of that spiritual formation with me today. Um, I grew up in rural Missouri. And the country church that we attended there when I um, was a little girl had maybe 35, 40 people um, on a Sunday. And so if you were active in the church, you were like all in. (laughs) So we did Bible schools and we did plays and we um, attended training union is what we called it on Sunday evenings. And I learned a ton about scripture memorization. I learned all the most all of the Bible stories, you know, definitely your typical ones that that children who grew up in the church learn. But it was all kind of in a box, if you will, without necessarily saying so. We knew Catholics were wrong. Mm. We weren't sure they were Christians. Um, Methodists were okay. And, and I could have compartmentalized all of these different denominations And like I say, as I look back and as I've written about it um, pretty extensively, I don't know exactly where those ideas were coming from, but they were there Mm -hmm. without a doubt. 
And then as I share in the first book, Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost, I started on this journey in a really big way about the time I started writing online, which is Mm. 2014. And at the same time I was writing and preparing my own blog posts, I was also reading other people's blog posts. And this took me on a very wide track of Christianity. And it sounds silly, but it struck me like really profoundly. These people love Jesus too. Mm, Wow. And they're practicing different things than I do. Um, They know a historic faith that I have never explored, um, just et cetera, et cetera. And then as I began writing the first book and blog posts, it it did occur to me, my best friend in high school was Catholic. Mm. And we used to order Little Caesars cheese pizza sometimes on Friday nights because they couldn't have meat. So I could see all of these glimpses of um, other church traditions who had touched my life. I maybe just didn't have a lens to recognize how how they were different and to be passionate about how they were different and why and what that could mean in my own faith life. And so I, I liken it to turning on... Um, a faucet, right? It, it was kind of drip, drip, drip. But then about 2014, as I began learning and visiting some of these churches, et cetera, it just became a fire hydrant. Um, and, uh, I'm just, um, so honored to share what I learn with readers. I take a little bit different approach because in both books, I hope, readers can see that I'm not writing as an expert. Yeah. I'm very much an explorer. This is new ground for me, Yeah, but really, really helpful in developing my faith in taking it deeper in removing so much of the um, unspoken fear that I would have had to, I mean, some of these things I wouldn't have touched, you know, with a 10 foot pole 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, But here we are and Christianity is that vast and amazing. um, And none of it has damaged or lessened my, my faith walk. I know, um, and speaking to the point of your podcast, Untangled Faith there's so much talk right now about deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really put myself in that camp simply because my process looked a little different. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't extremely hurt by the church like a lot of people have mm-hmm. been. That that has not been my experience, thankfully. For me, it was more um, an awakening, mm. I guess. More of a oh, that's, that's why they're going to confession. It's not because they don't know they can't talk to Jesus themselves. It's because confession actually serves a heart purpose. Um, and, And there's something that happens, especially whenever we speak our sins out loud to a person we know can trust. Um, and then the whole, um, idea of what a priest represents in church life in um the the way that we understand our faith has changed yeah in, that makes in, sense in my own life yeah yeah so on and on and on yeah <laughs> I, I 
here's, as I hear you talk, and even as it might've been a tweet that I saw either tweet or in your book, you are a master at Twitter. I, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to link to your, your Twitter profile because it's you just fun. have, you have a really hospitable uh, table there of interesting mm-hmm. conversations. And it, I just feel like that is so valuable, like asking and answering, just like having dialogue about ideas. But one thing that you have done really well. And it reminds me of something KG Ramsey said in an interview, I think she had with Beth, Beth and Jeff McCord from the Enneagram coach was that she talks about how she gets super worked up and excited about all these like medical journals. She's, she's a therapist, mental health therapist by trade. And she gets like, she reads all these things about all this stuff that's happening in our bodies and our brains. And like, and then she's like, and I can explain that in a way that people that won't read the medical journals will be able to apply to their lives and to their faith. And I see you doing a similar thing with like digging into church history and some of the more heady things to read and study. And you talk about how like, you're not replacing that, but you're kind of guiding and walking people along and like, look at what I've seen. And maybe I can explain a little bit in like, Tracy words, you know, a little bit of a translator maybe. And I think that's lovely. That comparison is beautiful. I'm, I'm so glad that's what you see in me because it's often how I describe my own journey. And I, for an example, I just wrote um, an article for an online magazine on the history of Christmas. And it sounds kind of simple and you go to Google and you learn, you know, these, these different articles that have already been done on the history of Christmas and you start to piece it together. But in my world, just a pulling back the curtain, I'm curious um, how the Orthodox have a history of Christmas of their own. Um, and then that pulls you into the idea that we actually have two Christian calendars, the mm. Julian and the Gregorian um, and why. (laughs) And then from there, I just, and again, it sounds simple. I realize again and again, Christianity is like in the whole world. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's bigger than like, not just in my state. Yeah. It's bigger than Michigan. (laughs) It's bigger than Tennessee. It's so much of what I hope to do is just, um, I, I had an editor one time refer to it as, um, my Christianity is deep and wide. Mm. And the wide, I think, is what has um, been such a pleasant surprise yes. for me. So, yeah, thank thank you very much yeah. for that comparison. I will uh, I will take it gladly. <laughs> the wide is very much what the book Shaky Ground talks about, and that's I love that. So, I as I was preparing to talk to you, I was making some notes, and I saw that you had tweeted something recently, and I had to write it down <laughs> in the best way. Don't be worried. This is a good one. (laughs) You said, I've reached a point in faith writing where you don't have to convince me, argue your point. Just remind me of whose we are. Walk with me. Tell me about that. Like where, where does this come from? What's the context of that? Well, for those who aren't familiar with Twitter, that's a subtweet. (laughs) And a subtweet means whether you refer directly to another tweet or a individual or a book or an article directly, you're still referring to that in your thought processes. Right. Yeah. And I, 
I'm not going to tell you the book just because I don't remember it um, exactly. <laughs> but I, I read a lot of books for review and share those on social media and on my blog and what have you. And I was reading this book by a prominent evangelical leader, um, a, a man who I believe is also affiliated with the Southern Baptist um, Convention. And that's exactly how I felt as he was reading it. I felt, or as I was reading it, I felt like he made a couple statements where he was like, of course the Bible is infallible, (laughs) you know? And and I mean, we can discuss those things. And and, what that means. Yeah. Yes. And they're beautiful conversations to have, but you don't have to punch me with it if you will. And that's what I felt like he was doing with some of his words, almost to the point that I was like, I'm missing the point of what you're trying to say, which is a very good message because you're so convinced that you have to convince me what part of Christianity is right and what part of Christianity is wrong. And like I say, I, you know, I, I took, I did take some good from his book, But I just see a lot of that, especially in the evangelical world. Um, And and that's not just true. I I see it clear over on the other extreme. All the fundamentalist world as well. Yeah, other sides. Yeah. Yes. um, There's just this need to fight (laughs) and and this need to constantly like put our stakes in the ground. Like if you don't believe this particular one or two things exactly as I do, then I'm done with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I write a ton. I wrote about it, um, I think, in both books. And I, it, it's a metaphor that I have absolutely fallen in love with, and that is the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And d- down to the um, smallest idea of a body, it's not many, many parts walking around separately. It's It's one. And, you know, maybe I don't like my thighs. <laughs> But my thighs are still a part of my body, you know, and in a like manner with the church, maybe we don't exactly like um, the the way that some progressive people are presenting um, Christ or the way that they're doing communion, uh, whatever the latest um, current event topic is, we don't get to decide who's in the body. Yeah. and that gets complicated and messy and I don't always love it <laughs> either, yeah. but, um, it, it's one body, one body. Yeah. That is a great segue to a, a question that I had for you. You have looked into and studied and talk about different faith traditions, you know, within the Christian spectrum. And like you said, it is, it is very wide. And I wanted to say like, how, how do you see that looking at the wide breadth of Christianity, uh, different ways of worship, different spiritual practices, how do you see that um, helping somebody who has been discouraged or disillusioned? Yeah, I, I think some of the best news that you can offer someone who is very disillusioned with their type of Christianity is to realize there's a huge um, with, of, of Christianity. Um, a lot of times I, especially 
if it's someone coming out of a more contemporary evangelical experience, I will encourage them to go to Catholic mass. Um, and you don't have to go in thinking you're going to participate and meet a hundred people. That's not, that's really not what Catholic mass is about. <laughs> you go in and you sit in the silence. Um, if you go often enough, you start to figure out what they're doing when I've gotten better, but something about the sacred space um, and the moments of silence that you will encounter and the body of believers there in that local church reciting um, much of the same prayers and creeds. Uh, I always get excited when I hear the Lord's prayer because that's when I know for sure that touches a different spiritual part of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it's been very healing. Um, you can also go to a Quaker unprogrammed service. And I write a couple essays about that in the book. And for an hour, a person in the Quaker congregation, they I'm sure they don't call it that, um, will only speak if the spirit leads them to do so. Mm-hmm. And the particular time that I visited, no one was led to speak. Wow. <laughs> and at the time I had my, uh, I had my, she was probably 12 at the time. I, my 12 year old daughter with me, she joins me on occasion and yeah. could tell you a great story about every experience. But, um, so that particular time, so we're sitting there a 12 year old and me for an hour with strangers, um, waiting for the spirit to, to speak, but it did so only internally. He, he did so. And after, I don't know, probably 10, 15 minutes, you know, she was all in, she was ready to experience something new. And then after about 10 or 15 minutes, she just starts looking over at me and kind of tapping her wrist, like where a watch would be, how much longer, but I have a whole section in shaky ground on silence because I think a lot of our American faith experience doesn't incorporate it. Mm. Um, that would be both in congregations as a whole and also in our individual lives. And the silence has been, um, getting to know silence has been very, very healing for me. How do you enter into other places in a way that is respectful? People are like, what if I do the wrong thing? What if I make, you know, like what are, what are your, um, thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just give you a handful of thoughts. Number one, um, if, if you have a friend that'll do it with you, that's really going to help. I have so many people say to me, I would go do these things that you're doing if I lived by you. Yeah. You know, um, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's scary to go alone. I get that. Um, and if it is radically different, I'm thinking of the time that we visited a Russian Orthodox church in Houston, Texas, where my mom lives. And I, I had been, to a few Orthodox churches, but, um, the various, um, regions, I guess, like a Russian Orthodox church is going to be a little bit different than a Greek Orthodox church and a Coptic Orthodox church. So, um, I, in those instances, I will usually reach out to the priest, um, via email, if I can find it on their website and just say, Hey, you know, we're going to come, um, would love to experience, the church service, is there anything that you can tell us to prepare ahead of time? Now, the Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox do um, cover their heads okay. uh, whenever they go to their divine liturgy service. 
and I, we were visiting my mom. And so we didn't have, we like literally went to a Goodwill store to get um, scarves to cover. Now, after we attended as guests, they really wouldn't have frowned upon us not mm-hmm. doing that. Um, but you're right. I, you always want to be um, respectful and honor the tradition that you're learning about. And I can tell you by and large, people are so welcoming that particular service. There was a woman whose husband was a deacon and she was introduced to us whenever we arrived and not, not in a like annoying way, but maybe three or four times during the service, she would just come over and whisper in our ears and say, this is the part we're getting about ready to do. Um, you, a Protestant such as myself could not take communion in an Orthodox church. And so she told me, you know, what steps I could watch. Um, but much to my surprise, that's the time um, that I learned that they do have. Um, so they bake a loaf of bread and then they take a part of that bread and consecrate it. And that's the part that they take the Eucharist with but the remainder of the bread, they break up into pieces and it is blessed by the priest, but not consecrated. Mm -hmm. And they will share that um, with one another. Um, It's kind of a bread of peace, if you will. But then also you're able as a guest to receive um, that, that bread for the priest too. So that was really um, very meaningful for me because it, it can be hard, especially when you go and explain to your young children you know, we, we take communion at lots of churches, but we can't take it here and trying to explain that in a way that again is, is respectful and honoring where they stand on that. Yeah. Tracy and I will be right back after a quick break. If you enjoy the untangled faith podcast, and of course you do, the best way you can support the show is to share it with your friends and family. So with that in mind, I thought it would be fun to do a share the show campaign where you get entered into a drawing for one of two $50 Amazon gift cards for doing things like texting a friend about the show, leaving a review and posting about the show on your social media. I'll have a link in the show notes for how you can let me know you're in so I can make sure your name is in the drawing. This goes through December 9th, 2022, but today is a great day to start. Again, I'll have links in the show notes with all the details. Just go to untangledfaithpodcast.com and click on this episode, episode 61, and you'll find what you need there. Another great way to support the podcast is to join the Patreon community for a few dollars each month. You get to help keep the show going and you get access to bonus audio, early release of episodes, behind the scenes information, and live streams. Check it out at patreon.com slash untangled faith. And you guessed it. I will leave a link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Tell me about um, bringing your daughter with you to these experiences. Like that sounds like an intentional decision that you've made. You didn't say um, you can go to our church this week. I'm going to go sit at the Quaker gathering. I know probably third or fourth grade is my earliest memory of taking her to something pretty unique. We went to a Catholic mass whenever we went to visit the Ark Encounter in Kentucky on vacation. And so she did go with me then. That's probably about the earliest I remember. She often doesn't go with me. Um, I I don't want to imply that she's being um, (laughs) dragged there or that she's dying to go. But um, 
when I'm getting ready to do something different, especially on vacation, when she's with me, I'll just tell her, this is, this is what I'm planning to do. Are you interested um, in attending with me? And yeah, she's done the Russian Orthodox um, Quaker service. Just a few weeks ago, we went to Catholic mass. Again, we were out of town. It's a, that's when I do a lot of this um, yeah. visiting and it did my heart so much good to, we don't know all of the prayers that they have memorized and that they pray through recitation, but boy, she knew a lot of it. Um, and, and I would not say she felt awkward um, at the, mm-hmm. the kneeling and the standing and the dipping your hands in the holy water. And you're right. It's been very intentional um, because whether you call it indoctrination Um, what have you, part of her mom's experience in the 15 years that she's been alive is that my faith has changed a Mm. lot (laughs) and it's made, and it's made a lot of room for um, different understandings. And so she knows different traditions. She understands um, different ways to baptize and why, um, she reads her scripture probably a little bit differently than I would have at her age. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- even now already, uh, you know, I can think of a circumstance or two where we've been discussing things and she's told me, I'm really glad that I'm being raised in a home that's open, you know, to these different ideas and to considering how other people practice Christianity. As you're saying that I was thinking there's been, I don't know, some sort of graph or meme or something shared around that talks about the more anxious uh, a faith experience is the harder it is on somebody as they have questions. And, Mm. and um, I just thought that sounds like this sounds really lovely. This gift that you're giving to your daughter is that you aren't like, Hey, sweetie, this is it right here in this, this box. And you, we need to stay right in here. And we need to be really careful about guard, guarding these boundaries. And it doesn't sound like you are exposing her to things just to point out what's wrong with them so much. And I just think that's really a lovely thing because as she's growing up and she is figuring out her faith, I, I feel like you aren't making her choose between Christianity, the way that this one particular denomination or movement practices it or nothing. If she rejects, you know, she's like, I just don't fit in the Pentecostal church. So I guess, you know, that's it. If, if, if you had told her, this is the only way to be a Christian, there'd be really a lot of anxiety involved in that. And uh, in the end, really a disservice. I want her to know first and foremost that Jesus is the center. He is the center of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And what has really helped me too on this path, and I've introduced her to some of it too, there wasn't one straight line of church history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and again, maybe that seems like I'm oversimplifying things, but um from, I don't know, about Acts 15, uh, when we had the council of churches in Jerusalem, um, 
they, they didn't know, you know, should we circumcise or should we not? I don't have any idea. What food should we, I'm not sure. What does the Lord's supper look like? Well, maybe it should be a full meal and that's just scripture. And then you get to, um, you know, the, the church in Ethiopia is one of the oldest known churches, um, in the world. They have a different canon number of scripture than we do. Okay. And they understand canon a little differently. I mean, et cetera. So what, um, what the Ethiopian Orthodox church has to offer us versus what we already, you know, know, and are very familiar with here is so different. And so it just reached a point where And the question I come back to again and again, and a question that I'm asked often is, then what do we have to know? Mm. As a new Christian, is this okay to do, right? Because I I have about probably 30 years of foundation before I started doing all of this exploring. And my response to that is, um, first and foremost, Christ is the center um, and he has to be. So if you're attending a church where that's not what you sense is happening, then, then that is off. Scripture is a wonderful guide for us. And so know it, know it very well, know it in and out, read um, a variety of people who are, and by variety, I mean like dead people too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the early church fathers will blow your mind. Um, so don't just, um, don't just study scripture by reading one commentary or one mm-hmm. Bethmore Bible study in you. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but go bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. Um, because again, um, we don't all agree on every word of scripture either. Yeah. And then, um, the last thing I would say to that is I don't know that, especially in my, per- I'll say it in my personal life, because across traditions, it can be different. I trust the Holy spirit a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, um, he'll give me a sense if, if things aren't quite, um, lining up with, with scripture and with Christ and an Orthodox church tradition. Um, and I mean that by little O the the historic tradition that Christianity and church have provided us. And from there it is, it's just wide open. There's so much. And, um, I did have a a friend who was on my launch team for shaky ground. And after she read the book, she sent me a private message and she said, I'll be honest. I never thought this stuff was very interesting. I thought it was kind of dry and boring, but not when you write it. And again, such a high compliment because, um, taking something, going back to the KJ Ramsey example, taking something I'm so passionate about and something that I'm just learning um, at, at, and to be able to communicate a little bit of that to you um, as a reader. And I, it's hard to explain the writing process sometimes because I don't know exactly what I want to say about this yet because I haven't written it out in full, but (laughs) that's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say there are some deep foundational truths that we can learn from history that we need yeah. in today's society. Yeah. It, it comes through here and shaky ground a little bit. Um, 
but I will continue to write about it. Yeah. Uh, because I just know it. I just yeah. know that there is a, that, um, we did a study on, I am also a Bible teacher at my local church. I was going to mention that earlier too, when we were talking about my daughter, she's only known one church her whole life. I was expecting with her whenever we joined that church. And so that groundedness in a church is also vital and so important. Um, so I don't, I don't want to give the impression that every Sunday we, (laughs) we go and try out the next thing. We're, we're very involved Mm -hmm. and um, plugged into our local church. But, um, when we were studying Jude last spring, it's only one chapter, a very short book, but wow, there's a lot (laughs) that he had to say in like 26 verses or something. And one of the things that he mentioned that has really grabbed a hold of me is the idea of a received faith. Mm. And so growing up in that little country church, again, as a Southern Baptist, I did not have any concept. I, I mean, I probably would have known it was from my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not that it was from my great, 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 great grandpa yes, who was yes. probably Catholic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, um, I, I love that idea. Yeah. A, Which challenges that idea of like, Hey, just cause you're born in a garage doesn't mean you're a car where a lot of like the individual focus of faith in a lot of our Protestant churches and Protestant denominations, um, would be like, this is all about your individual, you know, relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus and your yeah. own decision yeah. where that sounds interesting to me that you mentioned that because it feels like an assumption that is a good one that maybe has been challenged. And I see that in the way different churches practice baptism. And when it comes to infant baptism and believers baptism, um, that received faith is a fascinating conversation to have. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and I heard it so, so many times growing up, what you're looking for is a personal relationship and you are, but what I, and that probably started out as a very good concept, um, Mm -hmm. because going back again to some Catholic families that I know they're born cat, like Catholic has almost become a culture, if you will, not just a a faith, a religion. Um, and so I think the, at the root, it was probably a very good concept, but what we've done is ran with this individual, um, concept that, pervades our worship songs. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, you know, influences our devotionals, our Bible studies. And so, yes, I, I do some work to moving us from that idea of, okay, you do want to deepen your faith with Jesus so that you can strengthen the body. Yeah. Right. It's all so you can be a better part of the body. Um, yes. So yes, yes, yes. I want to get back to uh, the question, the the discussion about social media. Tell me about how you have been able to use that in a way that isn't a dumpster fire. Cause I know a lot of people just say, oh my goodness, nope, nope, nope. It's bad. It's just, it's just a disaster. Nobody listens to each other. Everybody's talking past each other. It's just an echo chamber. How have you hacked Mm -hmm. the echo chamber? So it's not just preaching to the choir and more of the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the big picture is it's only a tool. 
right? Yes. So we, we make what, what we will make of it. Um, and boy, is it a mighty witness. Uh, I don't, um, I, I very, very rarely will respond to something or post something myself that I have not at least quickly prayed over. Yeah. Um, and the amount of times the Holy Spirit says, no, we're not going to say that. <laughs> I hear this as that, more of a <laughs> lukewarm take than a hot take <laughs> or maybe a cold exactly. take. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I will post something. I used to be more active on Facebook. It's kind of moved over to Twitter now for whatever reason, but either place I have found that when I ask a question, someone else might ask it and it would feel like they were maybe attacking or, um, insulting. And I, I have found that if you can establish yourself as a curious person Mm. and as a person who wants to learn versus a person who already knows and wants to tell, yeah, that's a huge posture switch. An example, I, um, asked one time, what does your church use for the blood of Christ for the communion wine? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, most of us use Welch's grape juice in the Protestant tradition, unless um, something cheaper is on sale, you know, (laughs) that's a different question for us, but how beautiful to this one um, gentleman who's Anglican said, well, we won't use anything from Rome Mm -hmm. or from Italy because King Henry VIII kind of screwed that relationship up. And then um, some of these p- people would know like specific local vent- venters, venters, who they use because that's a local resource that then they can partner with. So a really beautiful question um, and not one, uh, you know, think of all the ways I could have said that differently. Yeah. <laughs> Do you use wine? Because you probably shouldn't, <laughs> you know, and, and, and why don't Jesus you use wine? Make- Cause you probably should use wine. Because that's what Jesus used. Oh, but Jesus had watered down. You know, all the caveats that we feel like we need to add. So it's all in the lead, right? I I was truly curious and blessed by the beautiful things I learned about the way these people consider what wine they're going to offer. And and then he said, um, we will have a non-alcoholic option um, for those who need that or we choose not to offer mm-hmm. wine because we don't want to um, offer that as a temptation that might, you know, disrupt an alcoholic's um, yeah. sobriety. So yeah, really, really thoughtful, beautiful answers. It's more about getting to know one another mm-hmm. in my social media space than it is um, me telling you what I know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great point. So it's not about educating. It's about community and curiosity. And, and and what is really interesting is the education will still happen yes. because I, I receive a lot of private messages that say, I followed your threads for some time. Thank you for everything that, you know, I don't always comment, but I learned so much. Um, so interesting that those people who feel like they should use social media to teach can actually teach by learning and asking better questions, yeah. et cetera. So it serves the same purpose, yeah. um, but in a way that's much more respectful and God honoring. Yeah. 
it, I just think it's beautiful. I really, and it takes time to establish that. I mean, you're not going to just set up an account somewhere and find people that are curious, but mm-hmm. if you are intentional about it, I think it does organically become what you have planted. Um, but it takes longer to have those curious conversations than it takes to do a hot take on something that everybody's buzzing about. Um, and yeah. I think, I just, I love how some people can say there is some value in responding quickly to some things, but also social media doesn't have to be a shallow thing. It can be a tool that we use to go deeper and wider. Um, I bet if people looked at who you interacted with and who you followed, it would be hard to say Tracy is like this particular stripe of belief. Like (laughs) she only talks to these kinds of people, which I think is lovely. Um, In your book, you give Mm -hmm. quotes from believers across the spectrum of Christianity, progressive, um, conservative. What kind of response do you get from people? Does that make people nervous? Does it like make them think, oh, I don't know if I can trust Tracy. She just quoted somebody who like, this is a slippery slope. I don't know what kind of resistance or any have you received? Good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think at least at this point, um, those readers I have know me pretty well. Um, so, so I could see where, you know, if a mega church, down in Alabama, <laughs> decided mm-hmm. to talk about my book during um, the Easter season, it, it might have a little different response because yeah. I think knowing me then guides the reading process, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there was a time, and I also send out a weekly email. Um, I call them seven faithish links. So yes. they cover the gamut, but yeah. mainly faith related. And I shared an author who is well-known um, on the progressive side of Christianity. And I had a reader um, send me an email and say, please don't put that person in my inbox. Mm. And so it's, it's not to say it won't ever happen. Mm. Um, you know, the, these are not easy conversations to navigate, but he felt comfortable enough with me to, and it yeah. was a, ple- it was a very respectful email. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. um, you know, attacking or I'm going to take myself off your list now, if that's what you're going to be about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very much known for church unity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think they expect it. I will speak to, um, there's so much talk today about diversity Mm -hmm. and diversity can mean a lot of different things. Typically, we see it in particular with um, incorporating people of color yeah. in our in our reading, in our um, interactions on social media. And I just saw a gentleman yesterday who asked on Twitter um, if me as a um, white woman has conversations about politics with a, a person of color. I thought, yeah. what a wonderful what a That's wonderful a, thing to ask. Yeah. What a yeah. good thing to consider. So all, all diversity is, is beautiful. And I think God um, loves it when we dive into those things. From my perspective, I'm always considering the diversity of the church. Yeah. And so that's where I write from. So I like literally, I will have 
a list as I'm writing and say, okay, I don't have a Lutheran quote yet. I need to go find someone from the Lutheran tradition that I could reference. Um, I don't know that I know it's not yeah. everyone's form of diversity necessarily, Yeah, um, but it's, it's the approach I take. Um, and again, honoring that body mm-hmm. of Christ, the full body. Yeah. Um, how do you respond when somebody like sends you a message and says, I don't, I don't think you should highlight that voice. Are there, are there, is there like a matrix that you think through and say, I just, I don't think this is going to be a helpful, this might be a more distracting name to include. I don't think so much through specific names as I do topics. Okay. Um, And I do think that there are some people who have made whole entire platforms on trying to divide us Mm. um, and and causing division. Um, And again, both sides. Um, I've seen this on the evangelical, more fundamental side and um, among progressives. And so that's what I would choose to not highlight, to not give voice to are people Mm -hmm. who I feel like are um, dividing the body of Christ. To this particular gentleman, I wrote him back and let him know, and it's true, I'm very prayerful about Mm -hmm. what I share and what those links include. Um, And I pointed out to him what in the article I found helpful and then said, I will, I will continue to Mm -hmm. be sensitive to, um, you know, the, those voices that I, that I elevate and share. Um, It is, it is important. And he has a right to, to feel that way. Yeah. That's a very Um, uh, hospitable way to deal with that. And I like what you say about prayerful because uh, it's easy to just set something and forget it and be like, okay, just this person associates is associated with such and such a thing. They're good. This person is associated with such and such and they're bad where that is, as my friend Lessa would call it spiritual laziness. Um, So Mm. being, being prayerful and asking the Lord for that discernment, asking the Holy spirit to show us like the best way to communicate something. It doesn't always look exactly the way we think. And, you know, maybe it looks less gatekeeping. Uh, It makes sense to me that you wouldn't get a ton of pushback if, if a lot of your talk is about unity and about the wide beauty of the body of Christ. But that's, I mean, always leaving a door open for someone just to say, I might disagree with you, Tracy. (laughs) And they do. Yeah. (laughs) I loved chatting with Tracy and would love for you to hear the rest of our conversation in the Patreon community. You can check that out at patreon.com slash untangled faith. That's patreon.com slash untangled faith. I'll have a link in the show notes here and at untangledfaithpodcast.com. Just click on episodes and you'll see the notes for each episode. I'll also link to Tracy's books, Shaky Ground, What to Do After the Bottom Drops Out, and Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost. You are going to want to check out those books. For more from Tracy, you can follow her at Twitter at Traces of Faith. Again, she is Traces of Faith on Twitter. Thanks for listening, y'all. The Untangled Faith Podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amy Fritz. A special thanks to my Patreon supporters. This podcast is made possible by their support. And I also want to give a huge shout out to the producer level supporters, Michelle Pionic and Phil and Susan Perdue. Thanks guys. I'll see you next week.